Willie Cannoli. The following program is an exclusive sports presentation of News Talk 1400 and Light Rock 97.5 News Gazette Media Stations. Fighting Illini game day coverage continues on your flagship home for Fighting Illini Athletics. News Talk 1400, WDWS, and Light Rock 97.5, WHMS. Now, it's your turn on the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. Fasteners Etc. is your partner in inventory management. Call us on the PNC Bank phone line, 217-356-9397, or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, the Fasteners Etc. postgame show with your hosts, Scott Beatty and Tim Dittman. And here is the handoff up the middle, big hole up the middle. This is Epstein running left 30, 40. Epstein across midfield, and they finally get him inside the Hawkeye 30-yard line. The freshman Epstein rambles up the left side as he broke through, and the Illini with a big gainer deep into Iowa territory. A 58-yard run there for Mike Epstein in the second quarter that set up a touchdown for Illinois that would tie the ball game at 10 apiece. Illinois ultimately loses, though, 45-16 in Iowa City. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Scott. Tim Dittman here as well. A couple callers already waiting. So we get to it as we talk about this ball game and the loss on the road in Iowa City for the Illini. First up, Bob and Urbana. Good afternoon, Bob. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, first, I want to say the team looked a lot better. There's hope for the future. They really played much better and showed some excitement, but they were... Two, there were three coaching blunders, two terrible coaching blunders that really hurt and changed the uh, uh, momentum of the game. The first was uh, when the uh, onside kick was uh, given. And the when I say coaching blunders, the, because of the penalty, uh, <clears throat> the um, Iowa was kicking off from the 50-yard line. Now, how many kicks from the 50-yard line aren't going to go into the end zone? What the coaching staff should have done is they should have alerted people, should have set up their onside kick defense at that point. Don't set up the normal run uh, back uh, option. Just to, because Iowa, in fact, as uh, Glenn Mason said, what are you risking? If you try an onside kick and it fails, that means the other team's going to get the ball around the 40-yard line. Uh, and especially when you're dealing with rookies. This was a coaching blunder. Lovey Smith, or the special teams coach, uh, should have told these people set up to prepare for an onside kick. Why aren't they tried more often? Because if you can see them coming, they're rarely successful, and that's the only reason this was successful. The second terrible coaching blunder was the fake punt. Again, the position and the circumstances should have dictated to the coaches this is likely. After all, there was a minute and 10 seconds to go. Purdue is going to be punting from their own 42-yard line. The likelihood is the punt's going to go into the end zone in any event. Maybe it'd be a pooch punt and if they punt at all. And under those circumstances, they didn't have much to lose. Again, the coach or the special teams coach, Levy Smith and the special teams coach, should have alerted the people on the sidelines, set up for a fake, don't maybe just put one guy back, it's not a live ball and a punt in any event. Uh, and just let the ball go where it, re- where it might. What's the danger? 
a fake punt, and sure enough, that's what they did. And these two plays really changed the whole momentum of the game. You're right. They were. Mm-hmm. They they should have been foreseeable. I'm sitting in my living room. I'm not paid a million dollars to see this coming. Uh, and they should have seen it coming and corrected it. The last one, which wasn't all that serious, was with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and we're down uh, 15 points, and it's suddenly now it's on uh, their 40, the Iowa 42, and it's third down, and it's incomplete pass, so it's now going to be fourth and seven. We wasted a timeout. Again, I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do? if there is uh, an incomplete pass and we don't make it. And I'm not sure, by the way, any call is wrong. They decided to go for it, and I think that was reasonable, or the punt is reasonable. What's not acceptable is to have to call timeout and waste the timeout because it's as if, gee, they're surprised. We didn't pick it up. Now what do we do? Someone on the sideline should foresee this coming, as I did in my living room, be able to figure it out and be ready with a call so you can preserve your timeouts. And to me, it's automatic. you got to go for the points. Yeah. Uh, hey, Bob, we appreciate your thoughts. Thanks, and, Your Honor. Uh, and you know what? What did I say to you when, li- uh, when Iowa lined up in punt formation? What watch I, for the fake. I said watch for the fake as if they could hear me. Because they did it a couple of weeks ago. It was actually a fake field goal, not a fake punt. But against Michigan State, they actually had their punter throw for the first down. And you and I were both on the same page. you got to watch out for that. But and also, Kirk Ferentz had already shown some aggressiveness. First, the, off, the onside kick, which totally made sense. Second... Their lead was small in the uh, first quarter when they decided to go for it deep in Illinois territory. Obviously, there's not as much of a a risk there if you don't make it because it gave the Illini the ball on their own 14-yard line. But still, you had points you could just go grab with a cheap chip shot field goal. Instead, Iowa wants to go for it. So already Kirk Ferentz has established himself early in the ball game as wanting to be aggressive and pull a few shenanigans. You have to know that fake punt is an option right there. That's the perfect time for it because why not go for it uh with that situation uh in midfield so uh i agree and the Illini looked caught off guard on both the onside kick and the fake punt whether they thought it was coming or not we don't know maybe that communication had happened and illinois just wasn't able to respond to it but it certainly looked like anybody could have seen those things coming i agree all right peter is in urbana he is next up on the pnc bank phone line hi peter Hi, yeah, I, I'm not as critical of the onside kick and the, the fake punt because they they carried with a considerable amount of risk um, uh, on Iowa's part at, at, the, at the time. And not, not so much the onside kick, per se, but certainly the fake punt did because Illinois would have the ball and a chance to score before halftime and have even more momentum going into halftime. But anyway, and that's not what lost us the game. And, and uh, what lost us the game is is unfortunate and un, 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 uh, just an unfortunate Mike Lennon-esque performance by Jeff George. I mean, there's there's a lot to like there, but but the but the, the red zone failures were uh, directly attributable to Jeff George Jr. and and it's it's you just know it stands or butts about it. I mean, the the, the first interception was uh, was horribly underthrown to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and uh, the the second one was just the, the the wheel route play that they ran was an easy touchdown, and he just completely utterly missed through the ball. For the pick six, I mean that that was that was the changing point of the game. I mean you can, you can argue, you know that it, it was the uh, you know the uh, the onside kick or the fake punt, but 
but then the onside kick didn't result in a score too, so that really wasn't uh, you know a game changer. And the on the onside kick, obviously, I mean the fake punt gave him the, the lead, but the the, the the pick six was was the end of the game. And then just another horrible interception uh, there uh, by Jeff George in the fourth quarter. And that's the, that's what you have to be concerned about. You have to be uplifted by the fact that they could move the ball and 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 have a better offense. But you know that stuff that Jeff George uh, has exhibited in his uh, playing time in Illinois is a penchant for throwing really bad balls. And if that doesn't change, it's, this quarterback change isn't going to make a difference because he, he has to avoid making mistakes like that. Illinois is in that game to the bitter end uh, if uh, Jeff George makes those plays yep. and, and they're plays to be made. They, they, they're in that game. The defense just doesn't give up in the fourth quarter because they're tired, puckered out, and and I, I think it's a, it's a game all the way to the end. So your quarterback has to, has to make those throws. It has to be better, or there, there's just no hope um, for this team at all in terms of, I mean, they're improved, but there's no hope in pulling out games like that against quality competition. Thanks, Peter. And I hear you guys talking about what are the game-changing plays, and we're going to talk about our defining moments later on in the broadcast for Dick Van Dyke. And I certainly hear some of you saying, hey, it was these uh, the blunders, uh, the miscalculation with, uh, with the onside kick and the, and the fake punt and the interceptions here from Jeff George. And when it comes to Jeff George, my question is, pick your poison. Do you want exactly a quarterback that really can't throw at all? Or um, I don't know what it is, if he's got a case of the nerves and, and the jitters and just won't look down the field and chase Crouch. It gives you some mobility. Or do you want Jeff George, who's a high-risk, high-reward guy right now and has make, made some bad throws, made some bad plays, but also showed you flashes of how this offense could be good? Love to know everyone's thoughts on that and how you feel on this. One more call here, and we go to John on the PNC Bank phone line. Hi, John. Yeah, I have a couple of comments. Uh, uh, the first call of Bob, it sounds like I've heard him call before, and he's got an agenda against Lovey Smith. That's fine. But what lost the game was Jeff George. You are not going to win with Jeff George. We've, we've, we've played that song before. You need to put the freshman in, let him learn, and make mistakes. That's my point. You're talking about Cam Thomas? Yes. I I have to disagree there. I don't think it it helps Illinois at all to now put in another quarterback. There has been so much rotation and revolving door on so many positions, particularly the offensive line and quarterback that just disrupts everything again to now insert another quarterback. I think Jeff George had some bad throws that were at bad times that cost the Illini points, but I don't see something there. that says, well, you just can't put him back out there. There's too much, I think room for him to improve. I'd love to hear the counter argument. You know, I don't know if Illinois were to make that change, if it would be construed as kind of waving the white flag on the season, but I mean, it, it, it'd be pretty darn close to that. Basically, you're saying, all right, we're going to get this guy some reps for the future, and you know, when 2018 and 2019 rolls around, he will be our, our consistent starter. And I, I get that Illinois overall is not expected to do a whole lot this season, but I think there are still some winnable games left on this schedule. I mean, Rutgers is certainly one of them. Purdue is coming along, but I think that is a winnable game. And then you can maybe even throw in Indiana and and Northwestern as well. I mean, Northwestern struggled poorly today uh, against Penn State. So, you know, I don't expect this team to go to a bowl this year, but just to say, all right, we're halfway through the season, we're going to 
we're going to commit to our freshman quarterback and get him a year or two of reps. So by 2019, we're raring to go and ready to compete. I just think it may be a little premature to do that. An 801 texture says, another opponent bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, first hope of winning, not till 2019. Awful football program, call it like it is. Benny says, although the Illini lost today, I'll take two things away from this uh, from this loss. Jeff George was the starter, and we scored touchdowns. Actually, only a touchdown was scored and three field goals. And Lovey Smith wore a good-looking orange shirt. <laughs> I'll give you that. And a 618 texture says the fighting Illini fully licensed blood donor to the Big Ten for over a decade. They are in the wrong conference. Ouch. We're off and running on the Fasters Etc. post-game show. You can join us on the PNC Bank phone line. It is 356-9397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 351-5357. You're listening to the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. Join the conversation by calling us on the PNC Bank phone line, 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. In the gun is Stanley. Three receivers to the right. Shotgun snap back. Throws it deep. Over the middle, it's picked off. The Illini have it. Bennett Williams with the pick at midfield. Up the right sideline, 40, and out of bounds in Iowa territory near the Hawkeye 35. Bennett Williams with the interception. The young man from California picks it off and runs it back. First and 10, Illinois. They're in business again, tied at 10 here in Iowa City. Illinois forced two turnovers today, also had a fumble recovery, but they lost the turnover battle, committing four themselves. And Iowa beats the Illini 45-16. to Welcome back, everybody. I'm Scott. Tim Dittman is here as well, and we appreciate you joining us on the phone lines. Back to the PNC Bank phone line, and that's where we find another John in Champaign. Hi, John. Hey, how you, do- how you doing, guys? Doing well. Well, you know, to me, I saw it different, okay? We're playing in Iowa. Uh, they did not blow us out in the first half. So I think we've seen an improvement. I will say these kids are young, but you see the potential there. You've got to give them a chance. And plus, our star running back, he got hurt. So he didn't come back in the game, but it, it's there. We're right there, but it, it's going to take some time. We're not going to be a complete winner overnight, but we're getting there. Uh, John, I, I think I largely agree with you. I think I think what we've seen all year is the flashes of talent and potential that is in the young squad. Uh, they just don't have enough consistency right now to put everything together. I'll agree, but it, it's coming. It's coming. we got to give them a chance. All right, I'll take the long view with you on this one, and I think I think that's exactly what Josh Whitman is doing on this too. Yeah, consistency, and John, thanks for the phone call. Consistency and continuity is a big thing as well. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, all the shuffling that's going on on the offensive line. We've now seen the second full-time starting quarterback for the Illini as well. So it's a lot of guys getting used to playing with different Different, you know, player combinations. You know, we hear all the time about center quarterback. They have their camaraderie, and you know, the offensive line as a unit has has the camaraderie. If you're switching those guys up, it seems like almost game after game, it's tough to get in any sort of rhythm. So, 
I think at some point, if you're just taking the short view of this season, you have to say, all right, here are the guys that we think are going to give us our best chance to win this season. But I agree with you, Scott. The long view of it is these young guys are getting reps. This is year one for Lovey with his recruits. One or two years down the road is when you're going to start to see this team take some leaps. I think it could come as early as next year. Hi, this is Dennis Reekin, president of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. It's time for our defensive moment of the game. Wow! Well, for me, Tim, on this, I, I don't know that this was the hinge point because Iowa had already taken the lead, but it certainly for me was the pick six that happened in the third quarter. At that point, Iowa up 17-13. to 13. The Illini are on the edge of red zone territory, but a bad throw by Jeff George. First at 10, Illinois at the Hawkeye 22. Trailing 17-13, 7.05 left in the third quarter. Play clock to two, to one. They get it off. George fakes to Bonner. Now throws it back to the left, and it's intercepted. 10, 20, 30, right sideline. Defender still going. He might have a pick six. He's gone. Touchdown, Iowa. Brandon Snyder. And that put Iowa up 24-13 with the extra point. For my defensive uh, defining moment of the game, I'll go back to something that Hardy Nickerson said before this ball game, which was his uh, unit needed to get more pressure on the quarterback. And we were talking about this a few times during the game. You know, Illinois was in the backfield a few times today, but they just could not wrap Stanley up. Uh, I counted at least a couple of times where it appeared that an Illini player had him down and he just squirmed out and either gained a few yards or, or threw a pass. And whether it was an incomplete pass or, or not is, is beyond the point. He avoided a sack. Uh, so certainly some mixed results there. And in fact, as I look at the stats here, Nate Hobbs had the Illini's only sack today for a loss of seven. Uh, he had a tackle for loss in there as well. And Tymer Oliver and James Crawford each had a quarterback hurry. So uh, if that was a, a priority for the Illini defense in the days leading up to this game, it certainly did not translate to the field. It, it certainly kind of mimics the offensive issues where good things, but then didn't finish drives, didn't get touchdowns, or gave up the ball. There was a nice moment, though, for Nate Hobbs. Wadley the back, if I'm reading the scoreboard right, there's dashes up there. Here's the snap back to Stanley, looking to throw, and he's hit, and down he goes! The Illini got him, Nate Hobbs, coming off the corner, and they sack the quarterback, Nate Stanley. So we'll see how the coaches evaluate that when we get to talk to them on Monday, whether they thought there was sufficient pressure. But, uh, yeah, there was times where things were right there in their grasp. And maybe that's another year of strength or growth for the Illinois defenders where that produces something. To the PNC Bank phone lines we go, and uh, you can do that at 356-9397. Here's Al in Fisher. Hi, Al. Hi, guys. Uh, no, the problem I had at the end of the half is Lovey Smith calling timeout, period. Uh, I'm screaming, don't, don't call timeout. Just let be happy with a 13-10 lead. I was no hurry to run up and, and, and make a play. But we, we did them a favor by calling timeout, and sure enough, it burned us. I then you got to watch. What's, go ahead. I was going to say, I wanted the same thing myself. Now, maybe they were gassed or, you know, there was something that we couldn't see. But I, I agree that I was, why not let this clock go down and not give Iowa any more opportunity to score? Exactly. I mean, I mean, I thought that was just an absolute 
that was seven points is on Lovey Smith. I'm sorry. That's just, I mean, even if they punt the ball, we got like 40 seconds to go. We're going to have it at about the 10. So what, what do you think we're going to do with the football there? And then on the fake punt, I don't think he even put anybody back. I think he just played for a fake and, and, and just in the half right there. But to let them score seven there was just a, was a killer. But Jeff George Jr. had a touchdown on that wheel route. If he just put some air into that ball, that guy was five, seven yards behind him. But overall, it was better. But until we get a defense coordinator who wants to get put pressure at the line of scrimmage, and I'm sick and tired of seeing receivers run five, ten yards free in the secondary. It's just unacceptable. And, and uh, uh, that's my comments. But I think him calling Tom out the end of the half did Iowa a huge service. So. Those are my comments. Thanks for taking my call, fellas. Appreciate it, Al. You can join us at 356-9397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line says, uh, 217 texture says, earlier on a touchdown drive by Iowa, an announcer said there was a pick play that wasn't called. And this is the touchdown that Iowa scored right at the end of the half by uh, Wadley, a two-yard touchdown reception. Uh, was that the case when Turner was called for pass interference that negated a long play? I think pick plays are allowed way too much. Yes, Turner was called for a pick. Iowa's Wadley was not. It was inconsistent. I think there were some inconsistencies today in the officiating that certainly didn't help the Illini. Whether you want to say that cost the Illini the game, it's hard nah, to argue I, when it becomes a 45-16 right. game. But when the game was in hand, there were some calls that weren't going Illinois' way. Now, maybe you would, you know, I'd certainly rather see Wadley called for that pick and then just be consistent with Turner getting called for it, too. But uh, I think picks happen all the time, and it's a matter of when the officials seem to decide to call them or see them. Well, consistency is the key word. You would either, in an ideal world, you would want your officials to be consistent and good. There are times when they are consistent and bad, meaning they are consistently making bad calls, but at least you know what to expect if they're consistent. What we saw today was inconsistent and bad, and neither team really knew what to expect. And another thing you and I were, were talking about uh, during the game was you know uh, the, uh, the late hits. I think we had one go against Illinois in the end zone yeah. when Iowa scored a touchdown. And that set up the onside kick. And then I think it was Chase Crouch who was tiptoeing along the sideline, and Iowa player came in and busted him, and there was no flag on that, if my memory has served me correctly. Uh, again, it goes back to the consistency thing, but for me, and I, I was harping on this while we were watching the game, You know, I haven't played football in a long, long time. I just don't understand how if you are a defensive player, you see – an offensive player catch a ball, you go full bore to that offensive player to make a tackle, and all of a sudden that offensive player makes a sudden movement either to duck down so his helmet is directly in your view or if he gets right by the sideline and starts tiptoeing. What are you expected to do if you're a defensive player? Just immediately stop on a dime and change what you do so as to avoid a targeting call or as to avoid a late hit out of bounds? It's impossible. Football is a game where you are running full bore at people looking to hit them. It is a violent game. If you don't want to be hit, don't play football. The targeting especially gets me, and I don't understand how you can avoid some of those hits. And I think coaches, when we've talked to them, have kind of bitten their tongue a little bit because they don't want to just come out and right. and complain. But to to see somebody get in line, it didn't happen today, but right. to see somebody get ejected for a, an otherwise clean play and unintentional targeting. And I understand the problem with the head, you know, and why that's so dangerous. But if somebody's not tar targeting intentionally to, to be out of the ball game, I, 
Enough said. All right. Uh, I just accidentally dumped off Mark in Champagne. My apologies, Mark. Please call back. We've got Mike now in Rantoul on the PNC Bank phone line. Hi, Mike. Hi. How you doing? Uh, thank you guys for receiving my call. Sure thing. Okay, but here's something I haven't heard yet is that, you know, from you guys today, is the fact that I still say the offense coordinator, play selection, and play calls has a lot to do with the results of what some things we have saw today. Uh, I think, uh, McGee, you change quarterbacks, you, you know, I think you need to change the offensive coordinator and because this play selection does not complement what our players are able to do. And therefore, I think... Uh, In what way? In what way do you say that? Okay, uh, I look at situations whereby you have uh, the number 26, nice little run, and yet instead there's no complementary pass play to enable him to be as effective on a swing pass or a bubble screen pass. None of those type of things have occurred for this program. I think you have to give our quarterbacks the knowledge, the positioning, uh, and I did not see George read his progression. You know, there's a primary season, secondary, and Sakeville, none of that seems to have taken place. He's either going directly to uh, number 18 or directly to number 11. That's only one look. So, therefore, I think the quarterback are limited with play calls because I see him looking over to the sideline for a good five or six minutes for a play to come in. That shouldn't happen. If you're the offensive coordinator, when you call a run play, you should have another play sequentially behind that to enable the flow of the game to move in the direction of Illinois. So I I have a problem with uh, the offense coordinator. Another concern I have, some of you just spoke about, the targeting rule. I think the targeting rule is to save the offensive receiver more so than defender. You know, uh, to be an offensive receiver, that's a money position. So, therefore, a guy coming in, as the gentleman mentioned before now, you can't break your momentum to avoid, you know, hitting a uh, receiver in a certain position because it's a full head of steam. Right. That's that's our point, too. And, and Mike, appreciate the call. It sounds like your dog is echoing your frustration (laughs) as well. Uh, I'm not – I don't see the same here. I look at an Illinois offense today that put out 446 yards of offense and threw for 246. Yes, the interceptions are the problem. But when all of a sudden Illinois is moving the ball today because you change your quarterback, I'm not upset with the play calls. Third and one early in the ball game, they went aggressive and threw a deep ball to Lewis Dorsey and, and made a big play, caught Iowa off guard. Love it. So I'm not upset with play calls today. Maybe you all, maybe you guys are, and you know, we welcome your thoughts on that. Well, I think, and and Mike, thanks for the phone call. I think the point uh, that Mike was trying to make, and I had a little uh, trouble hearing him, was that perhaps the coaches are not calling the plays that fit the strengths of the players. And he brought up the example of maybe Jeff George Jr. doesn't see the entire field, and uh, he goes to Dudek or Turner when another receiver might be open. In yeah, fact, that's the quarterback's problem. That's, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. You took the words right out of my mouth. I don't, I don't think Garrick McGee is out of the doghouse 100% with his play calling because he's certainly been dogged for it all season. I agree with you. I think it got better today, but it's not where it needs to be. But at the same time, you can't fault Garrick McGee if 
Jeff George Jr. isn't seeing his receivers. And in fact, we saw one play today where uh, I believe he was looking to hit Malik Turner in the end zone, and he had a he had a check down to Chase Crouch, who was wide open about five yards off the line of scrimmage, and that would have been a, a surefire touchdown. Well, I think t- t- Turner had his guy beat, if I recall correctly. He just underthrew it. It was a bad throw. Right. Make a good throw, and it's and he could make that throw, and we're not, we, we're not talking about this. Uh, okay, Mark, I apologize. I accidentally bumped you off earlier. You are back on. Hello, Mark. You did bump me off, but uh, that's okay. I, it would have been perfect because uh, I wanted to talk about the officiating just a little bit, and you guys were leading in great. Um the thing that I wanted to point out was the past two games, we've had officiating calls in the first series of the game that have gone extremely against us. Not saying that that was going to change the outcome of either of these games by any means, but you talked about being consistent and good. Our The Big Ten officiating crews have been inconsistent and bad. And between the targeting rule, which I absolutely cannot stand, and what – the other call that I'm referring to is the fumble incomplete pass that they overruled and changed. And the, uh, the analysts on the, during the time when they were trying to decide what it was clearly said, you know, this one's probably not going to change. And the interesting thing, the ball went about 10 yards forward after it left his hand. So I, I thought that was a really questionable call that put Iowa in a good position. Granted, they fumbled later. Yeah, I actually I agree. I was like, how does that ball go that far if it's just a fumble? Uh, yeah. So it was just a tough break, and and it just seems like you know, snake bit and officiating and everything's kind of running running against Illinois right now. Appreciate the call, Mark. Sorry about the uh, accidental drop off there. Hey, no, no, no problem. All right, it's Thank the you. it's the Fasters etc. Post game show, and the PNC Bank phone line is three five six nine three nine seven. The Castle Heating and Cooling text line is two one seven three five one five three five seven. We catch our breath here for the first time and take a look at the Body and Soul scoreboard brought to you by Body and Soul Sports, Route 45 and Curtis Road in Savoy, Mr. Dittman. We take a look at the Big Ten scoreboard first, and it was the Saquon Barkley show for Penn State. Gives it to Barkley. Barkley to the 50. Barkley 45. There goes the magic man. 30, 25, 10, 5. Touchdown, Penn State. That is Steve Jones from Learfield as number four Penn State goes on to beat Northwestern today up in Evanston, 31 to seven. Barkley finishes with 16 carries, 75 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Trace McSorley for Penn State, 25 of 34, 245 yards and a touchdown through the air. Big Ten games in progress. Number 10, Ohio State at the shoe. No problem so far with Maryland. 20-7, the Buckeyes lead with 548 remaining in the first quarter. Indiana 7, Charleston, or beg your pardon, Indiana 17. Charleston Southern, nothing. Eight minutes to go until the half. And a good one so far between Minnesota and Purdue over in West Lafayette. Minnesota leads that one 14-6 with 931 remaining in the second quarter. Games coming up today in the Big Ten, a 6.30 central start. Michigan State visits number 7 Michigan, a battle of 3-1 versus 4-0. The Wolverines unbeaten on the season. And the nightcap at 7, number 9 Wisconsin at 4-0 visits Nebraska at 3-2. Scott? A break here on the Fasters Etc. postgame show. we got a couple callers in queue. We're getting to you next. Join us. 
Six minutes left, third quarter clock. Here is George. Back to pass. Pocket closes, dumps it, got Dorsey with a catch of the 40, 50, and 40 of Iowa before they trip him up to save an even bigger gain. By the right corner, grabs Dorsey by the ankles, and Dorsey had a 39-yard catch earlier. That time with a nice pass by George, right over the top, and Dorsey with a first down. And freshman tight end Lewis Dorsey, leading receiver for the Illini today. Three catches, 75 yards, including a 40-yard pass play. Illinois, though, loses to the Hawkeyes, 45-16. got phones. We've got texts. You can also tweet at us. You can join the conversation. Tweet at us at WDWS1400 or just use the hashtag PNCBankIllini. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at Scott underscore Beatty. Back to our PNC Bank phone line, 356-9397. It's our friend Jim in Rockford. Hey, Jim. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for waiting, by the way. Appreciate it. No, not a long wait at all. Hey, uh, kind of amazing to be optimistic when you still don't even cover the spread. But, um, you know, all in all for three quarters of football, especially if that pick six did not happen, um, I mean, that was a ball game. But kind of echoing some of the other callers, doesn't it make you wonder what goes through Lovey's head when he sees what goes on here with officiating? And this isn't just a one game. I mean, we could document stories. I mean, the, the, the classic one was the September 2000 game against Michigan. Just certain travesties that are beyond head scratchers. But like in a game like today, you just Wh- have Which game was that you were talking about? The September 2000 game against Michigan. Remember oh, the yeah, the officiating, yes. Yes, yeah. with the yeah, Rocky it, Harvey it, fumble. Or non-fumble. Yeah, but the Anthony Thomas fumble that should have ended the game for the Illini. And it's just, it's this constant pattern of it. And, you know, I sit there, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of replay. I, I, I had the conversation with Jim, um, oh God, David Perry, sorry, the director of Big Ten Officials, after that game in 2000. He actually told me on the phone that he did not want to see replay. And I'll, I'll never forget they interviewed Lloyd Carr about it. And he actually came out and said that, he wouldn't be a fan of it because he didn't see how that would benefit with, uh, Michigan. Well, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about it. But in today's game, think about this. The whole point of replay is to overturn the egregiously bad calls. Mm-hmm. And it took them two minutes and 28 seconds with very clear shots. This wasn't like the ball was disguised under a pile. It was very clear, the ball going forward. It took them two minutes and 28 seconds to then determine that it was abundantly clear and it needed to be reversed. And the very first play from scrimmage. Now, fortunately, that didn't come back to haunt. But that's the point of it, and it sets the tone. And I guess I find it amazing uh, that Lovey and the guys are able to maintain their spirits and not lose sight of just playing with their heads on and play a good game because that wasn't the only thing that happened today. And it's just this pattern of it. It just doesn't end. And I don't know what the solution is. I guess maybe if you just be, you start winning – and you're a perennial eight- or nine-win team, officials subconsciously look the other way or they give you the benefit. But that's not how it's supposed to be. And, again, this isn't isolated. There's a history of this. We're talking 20 years. We're talking even pre-instant replay. And this stuff is always happening. And the last thing I want to say on the topic, I'm not saying that if this and that and this and that had not happened today, only wins the game. I still think we lose. I agree. But the fact of the matter is when you have to overcome Everything on top of talent deficiency because of your youth, it just shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I would love to see uh, what would happen if there was a time limit put on reviews. And I've advocated for this for two in baseball because I'm glad the re replay system is there. But sometimes it'd be like the call stands. If you can't get it reversed within 60 seconds, 90 seconds, too bad. And that's the call. Now that would, I'm certain that would then come back to hose a team I'm rooting for at some point. <laughs> but you know, and that would keep more um, control back into the officials and and force them to make good calls as as well. Maybe I'm in the minority. I thought it was a good call. I thought. Uh, Jeff George's arm was completely vertical when the ball came out. Well, the, I, you know, maybe you saw a better angle on it than me. I wasn't, my head was on a swivel here looking between the computer and the TV. Um, I just go back to how does that ball go that far if, if it's just a fumble? But I guess it's all about when is the ball coming out of his hand, starting to lose, uh, when is he losing the grip on it? When is the ball starting to be a fumble? The arm can still then come forward. Uh, and yeah. the momentum of the defensive yeah. player can hit it forward as yeah, well. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. All right. Maybe this you're right. turned into a physics program now. <laughs> hey, we go out to Steve in Peoria, our friend Steve. How you doing, man? John and Tim, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, I feel a little better this week. You know, last week I was down, but um, I, I thought the guys showed up and did some good things today. Uh, I was really... Uh, 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 pleasantly surprised by uh, the offensive line uh, with the young kids. Uh, we had we played four freshmen at a time. I thought I thought they did a, a really good job, you know. And uh, I just wish that um, we could have went in at halftime with that lead. I was hoping that Lovey would let the uh, uh, clock run out because uh, you know I gave uh, those timeouts he called gave uh, the Iowa coaching staff a couple of ideas. Maybe we should do some different things, and you saw what they did. So uh, I, I think that kind of maybe uh, changed the momentum. Uh, as far as uh, Jeff George Jr., uh, right now, hey, I, I, got, I got to go with him. You know, uh, I think uh, he'll look at the film this week uh, and, and see the throws that, that were available to him that he, he didn't make, and I think he can make those corrections. As we keep improving the offensive line. Uh, we got some good running backs. You know the receivers. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting here watching uh, Oregon State and USC. Oregon State is giving USC – uh, a little bit of competition here. So I've got a, I've got a prediction, guys. Go for it. Okay. All right. And, and Illini Nation, let, let's smile after my prediction. The year 2020, Rose Bowl, University of Illinois versus Oregon State. Zoe, I'm taking you to the Rose Bowl in 2020. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Steve. He's from Peoria! We appreciate it. Uh, boy, if you're, if you're ever down in life, just get a call from Steve. Exactly. Now, in that vein, a different Steve texts on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Two, uh, 217 texter says, Hands down, Jeff George is the best quarterback on this team. Is he perfect? No. Is he the best we have? Yes. We're just going to have to go with it, leaving him in and let him take his lumps. He's going to improve. I do put the blame squarely on the coaching staff for not being prepared for the onside kick and the fake punt. This is not anything to do with Lovey Smith. This is a no-brainer. They should have had the guys ready for those two plays and those two plays were pivotal in today's game thanks steve i appreciate it steve because we've been talking about our defining moments of the game and that certainly was one of them all right another check of our body and soul scoreboard with uh, tim Dittman, brought to you by body and soul sports route 45 curtis road in savoy check of the top 25 scoreboard and iowa state came into the matchup with oklahoma as a 30 point underdog Hebt takes the snap 
He delivers down the left side. A leaping effort and a catch for the touchdown. Go ahead, touchdown. It was John Walters from Learfield on the call. Iowa State upsets number three, Oklahoma. 38 to 31. Other finals today from the top 25. Georgia no problem with Vanderbilt 45 to 14. Auburn beats Ole Miss 44 to 23. Clemson gets by Wake Forest 28 to 14. Top 25 games in progress. Number 14 USC leads Oregon State 14 to 3. That ball game is in the second quarter. Also in the second quarter, LSU 7, number 21 Florida 3. 14 nothing is the score between Notre Dame and North Carolina. Notre Dame leads that ball game with 3:30 remaining until the half. Florida State has put a field goal in against Miami. 3 to nothing is that score. Three minutes remaining as well until the half. And it's TCU 7, West Virginia 3, with about a minute to go until the halftime break. Scott? Thanks much, Tim. We'll get another check here before the uh, program ends. Hi, this is Dennis Reekin, president of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. It's time for our special team's moment of the game. All right, Tim, you want to do the honors here first? Well, I mean, I think we've we've covered it almost ad nauseum. Uh, you know, the the, the fake uh, punt is is one, and that was certainly a a momentum changer for the Illini because at that point in the ball game, uh, the Illini were still in the ball game. I don't know if there's anything you would want to add on special teams. No, this is how it all went down. Illinois uh, had the lead at the time, thirteen to ten, late in the first half. And Iowa with uh, a fourth and short, and they're on there on the Illinois 41-yard line, and this is how it went down. 103 left in the half. Punter is in for Iowa. That's Ratstetter, the number seven, averaging 39.7 yards a kick. Mike Dudak back inside his own 10. Now they're going to fake it, run it up to the right, big hole, 30, 25, 20, first down, Iowa. They snapped it to the up man. It never got to Ratstetter, and he ran it to the right, and he's got a first down down near the Illinois 20-yard line. 12 seconds left to the half, third and goal line with the Illinois 2. 13 to 10, Illinois. Stanley, back to pass, dumps to Wadley, open at the goal line, falls into the end zone, and a touchdown, Iowa. Yeah, and you heard the resulting touchdown there towards the end of the half that gave Iowa the lead. They would not relinquish that, but Illinois did have a chance. They were knocking on the door of the red zone in the third quarter and then threw an interception for the pick six, and that's what kind of sealed it from there. Iowa just kept extending the lead, but at that moment, it was the most pivotal thing in the game, I thought, and that is our Dick Van Dyke defining moment of the game. PNC Bank phone line is 356-9397. The Castle Heating and Cooling text line 351-5357. We have more callers to get to. Cyrus, to see you. We'll be with you and, and more after this. It's the Fasteners Etc. Postgame Show on News Talk 1400 and Light Rock 97.5. Call us on the PNC Bank phone line 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. The uh, turnovers were big for us. It's like that normally. You know, you get in, go into a football game, I mean, you're looking at the turnover ratio. We took the ball away a little bit early, kind of gave us a little momentum, but, you know, some of those plays there late, of course, the 
interception for a touchdown when it's a tight game uh, really put us on our heels and we couldn't recover. Lovey Smith on the loss this afternoon in Iowa City, 45-16. The Hawkeyes beat the Illini. The Illini now 0-2 in Big Ten play. They've lost three straight, and they are 2-3. and To the phones we go, and here is Cyrus in Urbana. Hey, Cyrus. The last three games Illinois has lost, if you would look at the rosters of the teams, there is a decided difference in age on the rosters when you compare Nebraska, USF, and Iowa. What surprises me from a lot of the callers that are calling in, not all of them, but most of them, is, is almost maybe ignorance of the fact that this is a process. There are a lot of young guys on this team. And, you know, one of the reasons Illinois did what they did today is think about this. When the season starts, the teams with the most upperclassmen are going to look the sharpest and be the most cohesive. It's going to take... Usually, if you look at most years, it's week five or week six when younger teams start to put it together because you've actually got to play games to start to get this stuff to work. You can't simulate everything in practice. And and I feel like Illinois fans should be ecstatic over the game today because what, what you're looking at is this process, and you actually just threw in a brand new quarterback today on the road in Iowa, and the statistics show that Illinois was successful in moving the football. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. Over the next five weeks, four of those games are actually winnable games. And even if they don't win the games, they're games where I think fans are going to see the team take strides forward because they're not going to be playing juggernauts. And that's going to give both the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, an opportunity to really show their improvement because they won't be overmatched. Almost six years ago to the day, Theo Epstein took over the Chicago Cubs. I do a show on another radio station in another city, and I predicted at that time that in five years the Cubs would be in the World Series. Most Cub fans laughed at me. Why? Because they're used to losing. They're not used to success. Now this is what Illinois fans are doing. Fans, well, here's what you all need to understand. You got a new general manager a couple of years ago. The entire culture inside the locker rooms of these teams is changing. The fans don't see it. They don't sit in the locker room. Everything is changing. In two years, in two years, Illinois basketball and Illinois football are going to be in the top 25, and they're going to stay there going forward as long as these coaching staffs stay intact. So forget about what you're seeing on the field right now. Don't worry about the wins and losses, and don't worry about the turnovers. It's like watching your kid when he's learning to walk. He's going to fall down more than he stands up. But the deal is, this. I don't know how you can't be absolutely super optimistic right now about the two major sports at Illinois. I mean, it is, I'm going to stop now, but fans, you have no idea how great your programs are going to look in two years, and I'm not even a fan. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Cyrus. I know one person that agrees with your perspective about this year, 
and that's Brian Barnhart. He's been saying, you look out, he thinks the, the Illini are going to snakebite somebody. Now, you look at who is left. Rutgers, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Northwestern. Wisconsin and Ohio State, I guarantee, are almost 100% losses. There's just no way, Illinois, that's a, just a total mismatch for where this program is and these players are right now. Mm-hmm. But I think the rest of the ball games have some measure of winnability, be it 20 30% up to 50 60%. Uh, you know, Rutgers. Rutgers even higher than that. Should be at home this coming Saturday. Um, but the thing about young players is they improve. The other thing about them is how you scout them as an opponent doesn't always do you that good because there's a lot of unknown. I think some of what happened today was Iowa not knowing what was coming because they hadn't seen a lot of Jeff George. They didn't know how the playbook was going to look. They only had what had gone on with Chase Crouch. And the Illini surprised him, a la that deep pass on a third and one situation for the first down. So I agree with you there. Boy, I don't know if I could go out and the guarantee uh, put the Illini in the top 25 in both programs in two years, but I still think they're, uh, uh, the trajectory is going in an upward direction for both teams. Well, and, and I'll just talk about football specifically. And Cyrus, thanks for the phone call. You yeah, know, we this, don't want to get into basketball the, here. This, this is nothing that I haven't said before, so I don't want to accuse any callers of, of me all of a sudden becoming a homer. Um, you know, this is a, a team, or this is a program, I should say, where when you had previous turnovers and coaching regimes, the next season would come around and it would kind of be, all right, it's time for Illini football again. We got a new coach. Maybe he'll do some good things. Maybe he won't. This offseason, this past offseason before this season, just in in reading the fan base and talking to people, it wasn't one of those times. It was a, yeah, we were pretty bad last year. We're probably not going to be that good this year. But you know what? I have reason for optimism, and I have reason for buy-in. That's not something we've seen in previous years with this Illini football program. Another thing I want to point out uh, that I think Cyrus alluded to was, you know, I I think Iowa was going to win this game regardless. Yeah. But... It wasn't until the 849 mark of the fourth quarter that it became a three-score ball game, 38 to 16. And that's just kind of my personal barometer. I only I only speak for myself. This is not a golden rule of college football. You know, when a team like Illinois, who's in a rebuilding mode, gets down by three touchdowns, I think that's more or less the final nail in the coffin. But up to that point, Illinois, I thought, was still within striking distance being a two-score ball game. So for three-plus quarters, almost three-and-a-half quarters, Illinois did hang with this Iowa team. The PNC Bank phone line is 356-9397. That's where we find Eric in Champaign. Hi, Eric. Hi, guys. Um, I wanted to respond a little bit to what Cyrus was saying. You know, I've been around the university for the last 25 years as a student and alum and whatnot, and when you look back even further, this this program is, you know, been pretty much the bottom of the Big Ten for the last 50 years, with give or take with Northwestern or Indiana, maybe, <laughs> you know. So, I, you know, to to have optimism at this point, I just I don't see it until you start drawing athletes in from you know you're taking them away from bigger schools and you're still not getting guys that are uh, four or five stars and you probably never will. I don't know, but. Um, it's uh, just a long we'll way see. away. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're saying, hey, if, if if you're upset that we're not optimistic, look at the history. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing to, to brace it on. We have one good year and then, you know, five bad years. You know, that's that's the problem here. We have no consistency. We haven't had any 
since, what, the late 80s, really. Well, here's the one so. thing that is intended to be different this time, and you look at how mm-hmm. Lovey Smith's contract is structured, it's every year that he stays here, he gets more money. I think it's $21 million total, but I, I think it was year one was $1 million, year two this year's $2 million, and, and on up up to six years. And Glenn Mason pointed out this morning on Saturday Sports Talk, and he's made this point before. You look at Iowa in the same span that Iowa has had three athletic directors and two football coaches, and that goes back to... 79. Yeah, 1979. Illinois, I think it's the number is nine head coaches. Ten if you count Vic Coning. Yeah, and uh, and I don't know how many athletic directors are in there, three or four. Oh, no, yeah, Gunther, Thomas, Paul Kowalczyk, and now Josh Whitman. Yeah, and I, I don't know, if, I can't remember how far Gunther goes back. Oh, yeah, he doesn't go back to 79. You're yeah, right. yeah, so... There's a difference there. And Iowa, you know, they would love to be competing for national championships and all that and be in the playoffs, but they are certainly a good barometer of year-in and year-out success. 15 out of the last 16, I think, they've made a bowl. So what Josh Whitman has tried to set up here is a head coach that's going to be around for a long time. And I've said this before. I think what is going to happen is at some point here, Illinois is going to have a 6-6 six and six year, then an 8-4 and four type year, maybe even a 9-3 and three down the road, and, you know, all of a sudden, then the conversation will be, well, then Lovey's weaknesses will start to be magnified. And we see some of them, you know, why did he call a timeout here? How, you know, game management is some of the things that people like to harp on him. At that point, then people might want to say, we want more out of this than what we're just getting. But look at what Nebraska happened with Nebraska. You know, they weren't happy with eight, nine, ten win seasons or whatever. And they fire a coach and they don't have stability and they have an athletic director that's not an alum and all that stuff. And... And now they're back to square one with an interim director and, and, and no head football coach. Well, well uh, uh, one, uh, who may he, be he a may dead, s- he may be a dead man walk. That's what, I what mean. you're saying. Eric uh, does bring up a, a good point, though, and thanks for the phone call, Eric, when he talked about Illinois recruiting and not being able to get the guys needed to turn this program around. And I think he made the comment that Illinois is never going to get four or five-star players we don't we don't know if that's no. that's you know we we can't say definitively yes that will happen or no that will never happen but here's the question i've i've brought up on this show before is eric is correct in that right now illinois is recruiting mac level players i mean there's no there's no bones about that i mean they're in the 40s and 50s when you look at overall team rankings for recruitings so the question becomes, how long of a honeymoon period does Lovey Smith have until he needs to start bringing in these three, four, and maybe even a five-star player or two on a consistent basis? You know, we're starting to see one or two of those creep in. You know, Calvin Avery comes to mind. Um, but h- how long until the fans and the administration, for that matter, start to say, well, okay, you know, we're we're treading water here on the field, but... We need to see the recruiting pickup to give us some long-term stability. Is that honeymoon period one year, two year, three year? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think next year, if Illinois struggles again, I think a lot of fans will be restless. I don't know if it'll be warranted yet, but I think after essentially what will feel like three years with Lovey Smith, you want to see some of the wins. Well, and I, but, but I, it, 
I certainly don't blame the fans because everyone wants success. I mean, even us in the media, we have to stay neutral in our job. But, I mean, we make no bones about it. It's it's more pleasant to cover a winning team than it is a losing team. I mean, I'm I'm not destroying my credibility by saying that. Any media member, even the most veteran media members will tell you that. You you know, you and I went to this school. Right. We want Illinois to win. So the point I'm trying to make is, you know, fans, and I'm not trying to single out Illinois fans here because it's it's all college fan bases. I mean, you brought up Nebraska. That's a great example they want success and they want it now and when they don't see that immediate success they start to get antsy and like you said they start to amplify all the mistakes whether they are warranted or not so you know I get it I'm not trying to bash the fans who are bashing lovey right now I get where you're coming from but I think you have to go back to what Cyrus said and what other people have said that Illinois this year is just not going to be a contender. It's a process. You're looking at 2018, 2019, 2020 for this team to be going to bowls on a consistent basis. Holy cannoli. All right, let's look at our keys to the game on this one. Brought to you by Hickory Point Bank and Champagne. The unlimited value of the right team. One banking expert will steer you in the right direction. A whole team of them will take you to your destination. Hickory Point Bank invested. Also brought to you by the Pella Windows Store. Um, I, I think this is the big obvious one, and it doesn't take really a, a deep analysis of this game to understand that when you throw three interceptions, you might have a decent chance of losing the football game. And Jeff George threw three of them. He had some great passes today, had some good throws, had some throws he missed, but three interceptions. Um, I think the first two resulted in 10 points. Obviously, the big one, the pick six, Mm -hmm. that put them up by eight at that point, uh, or excuse me, by 11 points. Uh, You can't keep doing those, but we all knew this was the risk with Jeff George. That's my key. I'll go back to what I said at the very top of the program. Illinois, either in the red zone or near it. You know, we can say from the 30-yard, the Iowa 30 or in. Field goal, interception, interception, touchdown, field goal, field goal. One of those interceptions was after a touchdown was brought off the board. You get within the 30 that many times, six times, and you only come away with one touchdown, you're not going to have the greatest results, even if you're playing a team like Rutgers. Our keys to the game are brought to you by the Pella Window Store. For all your window and door needs, visit the Pella Window Store on Country Fair Drive or go to PellaofChampagne.com. And also brought to you by Hickory Point Bank. Another defining moment for you and another check of our scoreboard. It's all straight ahead. It's the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. Sometimes the, the scoreboard doesn't say uh, the amount of improvements you make, but it's no doubt, you know, almost to a man we got better. If we keep this up, uh, you know, we can ultimately finish a game. Lovey Smith, a little bit more upbeat for Lovey in his his remarks after the ball game there as Illinois loses 45 to 16 but the tone was different to me than the 28-6 loss last week to Nebraska because you saw things you could build off this week you didn't see that last week yeah it's it's interesting you know Lovey Smith is more or less a what you see is what you get kind of coach when it comes to making comments to the media um and after the the recent loss that you talked about, I mean, he was pretty candid. The, the last two, in fact, where he said, basically, things were not good. Players were not good. Coaches were not good. And today was another example where I agree. He was he was fairly candid when he said, you know, hey, this was a, you know, ended up being a pretty lopsided score, 45 to 16. But things were not incredibly bad all around. So it's good to see Lovey kind of come out of the shell a little bit.
The PNC Bank phone line is 356-9397. That's where we find Tim, not you, Tim Dittman, but a different Tim, I presume, unless you're calling in at the same time, which would be weird. Uh, let's assume this is not Tim Dittman from Champaign. Hi, Tim. Hello. Uh, this is a different uh, Timothy. Oh, good. I just, wanted, I just wanted to put a stamp of approval on a call you had about 10 minutes ago that the Illini fans need to be patient with our youth and that there's a, a general ignorance uh, uh, amongst uh, Illinois fans. Um, that caller that called in, if he was standing next to me right now, I'd kiss him on the neck because how, how right he was. And I just like to say, uh, in, in Illini Nation and the public in general, they need a mental health evaluation and a psychiatric checkup. Thank you. <laughs> Of all the phrases that I thought might come out on this show, I did not think the phrase kiss him on the neck would have come out on this program today, but that's why we love you as callers. So thanks much, Tim, for your thoughts. And Cyrus getting a, a stamp of approval from, from Tim. We appreciate it. <laughs> Hi, this is Dennis Rican, president of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. It's time for our offensive moment of the game. Wow. Tim. Uh, I will look at the Iowa offense here, and it w a lot of it was made during the week about you know the style of offense that Iowa runs. They are just kind of your your bruising running type team. Doesn't do a whole lot fancy, you know. The whole this is really boring clip from Brian Barnhart, and and we laugh at it, but that's more or less over the years how Iowa's offense uh, has come this is out. Really boring. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they get the job done, but they're not flashy. Not that there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> Um, so where I'm going with this is obviously they've got Akram Wadley back there. He's a very talented tailback. Teams, though, this year, in watching their, their film and reading uh, some of the articles out of Iowa City, they were starting to key in on him and contain him a little bit to the point where against Michigan State last week, Iowa as a team had just 19 rush yards. That was the lowest output in 12 years. So me coming into this game, I thought, okay, What's Iowa's offense going to look like? Are they going to continue to go with their bread and butter in the run game? Or if they are maybe going to try to change things up and go a little bit toward the pass game? Well, uh, you know, looking at the final stats here, they did a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. For Nate Stanley, he went 17 of 32 through the air, one pick for 247 yards and three touchdowns. And then on the ground, they had 191 net yards, Wadley with 115 net yards and a touchdown. So I guess if you just do it by the raw numbers, they were more of a passing team today. But uh, again, for me, it was a question mark. What is this Iowa offense going to look like? And they more or less excelled in both phases, both on the ground and through the air. Yeah, Akram Wadley with 115 yards on the ground, including uh, this touchdown that came in the second half. Second and nine from the Illini, 39. For the Hawkeyes. That I wasn't it. My apologies. But uh, anyway, it came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that 18-yard touchdown. And that that put it out of the two-score range up to a three-score 38-16 lead for Iowa at that point. Yeah, I'll go with that. It, obviously, the interceptions by Jeff George were the other key thing, uh, def defining moment on offense. And we've talked about that quite at length at this point. So we'll tip our cap to a very good running back. I think Lovey Smith made mention that he thought he would be a pro down the line, and I think he does have the makings of that. PNC Bank phone line is 356-9397. Let's bring in Bob from Danville. Hi, Bob. Hi, how you doing? Doing well. Okay. I, I've got kind of two comments based on a 
caller I heard a, a few minutes ago. Uh, first thing I, you know, my opinion is um, we do too much complaining about MAC level players. Uh, Northern Illinois has MAC level players, and they've had uh, success against teams that we can't beat in the past few years. Fair enough. So I think if you have a good coaching staff, you can have some success with MAC level players. And I think we have a you know as good a coaching staff as you could possibly get. Frankly, given uh, given the state of the program when Lovey came in, um, and secondly. We've tried firing coaches too soon, in my opinion, and it hasn't worked. And so, to me, the only path to success at this point that I see is biting the bullet and, and yeah, giving the guy five years. You know, it took Barry Alvarez a long time to build Wisconsin up from, uh, from a very bad situation, um, and uh, this, this is not a... You know, building uh, you know, uh, building Rome in a day. So uh, even if the fans do start getting restless next year, uh, I think people are just going to have to be patient because, to me, just just for speculation, if you fire Lovey Smith at the end of next year because he didn't make a bowl game, well, I have that's no not going to happen. But I see your point. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's my that's my comment. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. We appreciate it. Yeah, Lovey Smith is here for for the long haul, and I think that is going to churn out a lot of wins here eventually. Headed to the college football playoffs? I'm not saying that. Right. Headed to the Rose Bowl every year? I'm not saying that. But I think this team will start to win games down the road because of consistency, and that's what what the Illini program has been aiming for. Well, if not Lovey Smith, then who? I I'd, I'd love to hear some names. <laughs> And if you have $100 million as well. Our final segment and look at the scoreboard and a sneak peek of Rutgers, Illinois' next opponent after this. 24-yard attempt to give Illinois the lead late in the first half. It is up, and it is good. McLaughlin hits it from 24, and the Illini lead here in Iowa City, 13-10 with 2.49 left. Those points, thanks to the interception by Bennett Williams. Yep. Hey, you can't go without giving a little love to Chase McLaughlin. Three for three in the field goals today. You know you wanted those to be touchdowns instead, but he's just been quietly consistent this year and and helped the Illini out. You know, we talked earlier about certain aspects of the Illini special teams and the Illini special teams coaching that may leave a little to be desired, but Chase McLaughlin and Blake Hayes, I think, have had standout seasons in what will probably be not the most standout of years. Speaking of Blake Hayes, if you missed it, we had a conversation with him during the pregame show and uh, having an even longer conversation with him at our website. You can find it at WDWS.com under podcast. He is the most chipper guy in the world, isn't he? I mean, he is just so happy to be here playing American football. hes I think his exact words were, I'm living the dream. I mean, it's great to, to hear a guy that's as optimistic as that. I would like to be living the dream in Australia right now. So. <laughs> Maybe we can start doing this show remotely. I think we should take this show to Australia, uh, find a location where everyone wants to tune in because it, the game kicked off at 3 a.m. Melbourne time, mm-hmm. and he says his folks and his family just stay up and 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 watch wow. the whole. Now, and so uh, maybe we should go there and then do a like a breakfast post game show there, at maybe a pancake house or something. 
from Australia. I think that would be fun. I think the company will foot that bill. And, and we, that way we can get the Australian feedback on, on, on the Illini. I'm all for it. Okay. We'll get those wheels in motion. Body and Soul scoreboard. Route 45 and Curtis Road in Savoy. Uh, final check of that. And it'll be a look ahead on the Illini sports scene and our broadcast schedule as well. Coming up in about two and a half hours, it will be Fighting Illini Volleyball taking on Indiana at Huff Hall. That's a 7 p.m. first serve. Dave Lone has the call on the AM side. News Talk 1400. Monday night at 7, it's the Lovey Smith Show on both of these fine stations from Buffalo Wild Wings in Savoy. Friday night, the 13th, Fighting Illini Volleyball back at it again, taking on Ohio State. That is an 8 p.m. first serve. You can hear it on News Talk 1400. A week from today, Illinois football back at home, taking on Rutgers. That is an 11 a.m. kickoff, so our sports coverage in earnest, we'll begin at 8 a.m. with Saturday Sports Talk. Scott will take the air at 9.30 for Illini game day, and then Scott and I will be back for the post-game show afterwards. And then later that day, Fighting Illini Volleyball taking on Maryland, 7 p.m. You can hear that game on News Talk 1400. Also want to give a mention to Fighting Illini Soccer. They're taking on Northwestern tonight. That one won't be on the air, but certainly best of luck to Janet Rayfield and her squad. And the Cubs as well. That's They'll right. Get about to get going against the Nationals in Game 2. It's John Lester against Gio Gonzalez. All right, before we bid you adieu, we take a look at the Illinois opponent. And a week from today, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights come into town for an 11 a.m. kickoff. And maybe a slightly improved team from last year, but the Illini handled them on the road. Well, I would say no. Okay. <laughs> and that's just my own personal opinion. You know, Chris Ash in year two, and if you, you know, start to hear some chatter, oh, he's starting to turn this. No, okay, no. Rutgers is a bad, bad football team. And I'm not just saying that off the cuff. I'm saying that after watching their games this year and reading up on the local media coverage out there. Just a, the bad football team. They were off uh, this week. They are off today. Uh, last week, they lost 56 to nothing to Ohio State. Uh, Jerry Kill is a familiar name. He is their offensive coordinator now. And an interesting quote from NJ.com. Uh, uh, asking about what do you do to fix the offensive woes because this is the team that really can't get anything done offensively. They played a couple of quarterbacks. They're even talking about, or at least the media is, whether the third stringer should get any reps. So Kill said this, what do you do to fix that, meaning the inept <coughs> offense? You cut back. You look at yourself and say, these guys can't do all this, so we better cut back and get more repetition at smaller things. Run the same, and pardon my French, run the same damn play over and over and over so you get better at it. Maybe these kids can't handle all the stuff being thrown at them. I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know about Rutgers. They're having to simplify their playbook because they just can't do the most basic of things. All of that to say, of all the games left on Illinois' schedule, I think this is the most surefire win. Illinois is back at home in front of the home crowd. And, you know, I get they struggled with Ball State, who is, I think, uh, inferior to Rutgers. But I think if Illinois struggles uh, with Rutgers, uh, especially now that I assume they're going to have Jeff George Week 2 in quarterback, and so a little bit of continuity there. If Illinois struggles this coming week, then boy, oh boy, I'm... I'm, I'm, I may have some trouble going on the postgame show afterwards because I think this is a game that Illinois should win. I agree. Uh, it gives me a little pause that Rutgers played Nebraska well in Nebraska's home stadium, and then Illinois struggled with Nebraska, so by the transitive property, nah. blah, blah, blah. But... I think Nebraska's a dumpster fire, too. But... <laughs> some have said, this about, said that about this show, but... 
Hey, Tim, we appreciate it. A lot of fun. A lot of good callers today. We'll do it again next week. Thanks to all the folks behind the scenes today. Evan Connor, Line at Game Day producer, Blake Landa, lending out a hand as well in uh, relief. Chief Engineer is Ed Bond. General Manager is Mike Hale. I'm Scott Beatty for Tim Dittman as well. Martin O'Donnell and Kerry Davis and Brian Barnhart and Scott Ritchie, all the folks that contributed today to the broadcast. We do it again, 9.30 next Saturday morning. We'll get going with Illini Game Day. Until then, have a good rest of your weekend. Fox Sports on News Talk 1400 is next. Illinois Volleyball this evening. Light Rock favorites on WHMS in just a moment. Have a good one, everybody.